There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Asking Robbins always finds out. Hire for the faster, baby. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. Assemble. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. The show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo. I'm back. We're back. A dinosaur story. But I'm the dinosaur. Me, Eduardo. <laughs> uh, Robbie and Peaches are also here. What's up, guys? <laughs> What the hell are you talking about, man? Dude, I, I was know. so excited to hear you do an intro again. <laughs> hey, at least he said the title of the show correctly. Yeah, that's true. That other guy can't do it to save his life. Oh. What do you mean? Chris does a great job when he hosts. Oh, that um... is true. He does a great job saying the title correctly. <laughs> the other other guy. Uh, what's going on, guys? Uh, anything new in your lives? Nothing crazy happening in mine. No. Just, you know, podcasting a lot in many regards. Uh, yeah, thanks for filling in for literally all of us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this isn't about me. That Those weeks have passed. This is about you. How are you guys doing? <laughs> Great. Yeah, how are you doing, Eduardo? <laughs> uh, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm glad to be back uh, podcasting. I mean, I might disappear at any second. Who knows? There might be a crying child in here. Literally at any moment, we are. I re, you can't see it, but I record in his nursery because this is where my desk is. It was before he was in here, and now this is his space and not mine. Already taking all my things. Um, Get a job. <laughs> but he could show up here at any moment. Who knows? It's the the beauty of podcasting the way that we do. But that's fine. Um, no, I've been good. I've been watching, keeping up with you guys. Uh, we even talked about it off, I guess I should say it now, but we even talked about this off, um, maybe it was like one of the first things I said to you guys about the podcast. I think I hadn't really said a word, because like right when you guys started doing What If is right when we had the baby, and those first few weeks, man, they're real tough. Uh, I mean, it's still really tough, but those few weeks are especially tough, and I didn't get a chance to talk to you guys, but the first thing I told you guys, were like, you guys are doing a great job, but man, you take these episodes so seriously. <laughs> I'm actually going to address that, that on. I'm actually going to address that on this episode where I'm going to to caveat something. I'm going to come up with, yeah, don't take this seriously. But since this is a podcast about this cartoon, I'm going to take it seriously. Yeah, it's so tough because I feel like that is our job, right? We are a podcast that deeply analyzes the things that happen in the MCU. That being said, the things that we've been given are like two hour long movies that are supposed to have lots of, I think, nuanced ideas and principles. Whereas these are very especially in some of these episodes are super surface level, right? Like there's not a ton of thought being given into the when and the how it's more of just like a, what if this happened? And then this crazy thing occurred. And it's so, I think it, uh, it sometimes can be uh, difficult to approach that from our perspective because what we do is analyze. And so sometimes you can't really analyze Hank Pym shrinking down to the blood cell level and then yeah. Mock you know, if more of them were like just fun and action packed and silly, we probably wouldn't. But almost all of them at this point are like, 
what if this thing happened that made everybody really sad? Yeah. What if this thing sad. happened that I devastated very, very entire sad. groups of people? And and I don't I don't disagree with that take at all. Um, I think maybe I wasn't maybe I didn't come through correctly on the Hank Pym episode where I just used I that was, as an example. The first yeah, time yeah. I thought about it was the um, the Star Lord episode. Oh, got it. Like the Hank Pym episode, I was dis- dissecting it because I'm doing a podcast about dissecting it. The actual rating I gave the Hank Pym episode is more about the fact that I was bored during that episode. That's all. It's uh, yeah, I wasn't rating it because of faulty logic in the cartoon I was watching. I can I can accept the faulty logic that makes the cartoon cool as long as the result is cool. Well, we can talk about it, Robbie. We um. Neither of us have been here. You haven't been here for a little while. You've been off, uh, you know, uh, out in London. And, uh, oi. Yes, oi. I was, I was visiting London for a couple weeks. What's all it, this then? So much fried fish. Gov. <laughs> so, um. okay. People actually talked to me like that. There was actually at least one person that literally just said to me, oi, what's all this then? It was a guy <laughs> on a bus. <laughs> it was a double-decker <laughs> <Hell> bus. Yeah. <laughs> um. I figure we should talk about what we've thought of the, the episode so far and what we've missed. Um, I guess I'll start since I've missed literally all of them. I think I've liked all the episodes and I haven't loved a single episode. I think the closest I got to loving was either the Star-Lord episode or the Doctor Strange episode, but I don't think I ended up loving any. Like They all are varying in quality to me, but they're all on the same level to me. Like It is all like... The, the likes and dislikes move the needle. But like, they're all like in the seven range for me. And they're either a 7.5 or they're a seven or a 6.5. Like they are all so close to me that the differences aren't very different. Like, I don't think I'm going to th- be blown away by any of these episodes. I don't think this is, that's the kind of show that this is. And I don't think any of these episodes have done that for me, but I'm not like incredibly disappointed because I don't have a lot of high hopes for the episodes to begin with. And so I think that's my been my uh, attitude going into a lot of these episodes is to just try to have as much fun as I can and know that, you know, some of these episodes may be not even for me. Um, but I think what I do really enjoy, and I think I talked about this on the Discord, is that while some of these episodes haven't necessarily been for me, what I really enjoy is that they're happening in the first place. Because this is like... I mean, Disney Plus has already been like this a lot, but it's something that's different. It is different that's being added to the MCU. It's something that is very... Uh, that th- we haven't really seen before. The MCU, I think we've talked about it a lot, and I think it's unfair criticism at this point, but gets uh, told a lot. Like, oh, who said it recently? There was a director. Another dumbass director came out that does the fancy <laughs> movie. The Dune director. The guy that's directing Dune came out and was like, I don't watch Marvel movies because they're all cut and paste or some dumb stuff like Dennis that. Dennis Vill- Villanueva. Yeah. I don't even know who he is. Also, that just... Villanueva. That literally just means you're not watching them. I know they don't have to be what you enjoy, but that just means you are you have not watched them if you think they're all cut and paste the same. I right. immediately and- found the article. Dennis Villanueva says cut and paste Marvel movies have, quote, turned us into zombies. Like just what? just absolute nonsense, right? Like, just nonsense. Great. And, like, he was not the first one to say that. Somebody else said that recently, too. I forgot who it was. Um, it was another director that said some, you know, the Marvel movies are, you Scorsese. know. Scorsese. Scorsese. There, that's it. who it was. And I love Martin Scorsese, but no. Yeah, just, like, lots of bad takes. And I think uh, some of those takes are bad. But uh, my point being, I think I really enjoy what they're doing with What If. I think the like the hawkeye trailer have we haven't talked about it on the show right because it just came out uh but the hawkeye trailer looks like a christmas comedy which i don't know about you 
but was not what I was expecting out of the Hawkeye TV series. And now I am much more excited for it. Mm-hmm. So because of my vacation, I actually still haven't watched the trailer and I guess I probably should. Um, oh, I that's... saw the, I saw the poster. <laughs> Got him. I saw the poster and thought the poster was a joke. I didn't realize that the trailer had the same tone as the poster. It feels like a Christmas comedy. Honestly, that's amazing. I'm down. Yeah, like I'm super especially, into that. That sounds so cool. Especially is um, Florence Pugh in it? They haven't shown her. Okay. I would, if I would she bet is, lots of money that she is in it. Yeah, if why she wouldn't is she be? playing that character, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. I would bet lots of money that she is also in this, yes. And she plays a role in that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's cool that they're doing something different. Am I in love with any of these episodes? No. Um, certain ones I liked a little bit more than others. You'll see my rating later. But so far, I like them. I don't love anything. I don't hate anything. I think it's all just, you know, mindless TV that I can put on. And then, to be honest, I don't think any of these are going to be super memorable for me moving forward. Before I talk about the last couple episodes, I was really curious, you specifically, your reaction to um, the Star-Lord episode and also um, the, you know... um, just hearing him again and, and for the last time doing the voice acting and everything. Oof. Well, and that's the thing is I thought it was the last time, but we hear him again uh, today. Uh, is that him on this episode? Yeah. Yes. I didn't, I didn't realize yeah. that. I thought it's it was been someone... him every time. Yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. didn't realize that. I thought it was someone doing a good job. Okay. No, no, no. it's him. And I, I mean, I think I could, I, I could personally tell it was him because he just does such a good job, man. It was tough. This, I haven't, you know, I am, um, I, I can, it doesn't really necessarily need to be a point in here, but when I finished the episode, uh, the first thing that I did was turn on Black Panther. I was like, I need to watch Black Panther right now. I need to watch it. I hadn't watched it since he passed. I've been so sad. I don't. I don't want. I don't want to be so sad. But you know what? When I watched it, I wasn't really sad. I was more, you know, just appreciative of the, the sort of the gifts that he had given us before his before his passing, and you know, appreciative of everything that he had done. Um, I thought the Starlet episode was cool. I thought it was a fun time. Like it, it was more of what I want from these episodes, which is like a bunch of nonsense. Like if you're going to do a what if, and it, the episode is nonsense, just give me a bunch of, no- like, I want the nonsense. Like I want it like Looney Tunes level of nonsense. <laughs> like I just want it to be stupid and I just want to have fun. Like you guys know how much I love stupid things. And that's kind of what I want from these. What ifs. not that I dislike the serious takes like i really liked the doctor strange one because i think that was was also a little nonsense in a different way uh but i thought it worked for that um but i think some of these have played it a little safe i think now that we are a little removed i think the hank pym one plays it uh pretty safe um i think the agent carter one plays it way too safe like you could do with so many interesting things and all they really did was yeah i agree show us the exact same scenes but with peggy carter instead of instead of steve and like after seeing some of these later episodes it's very clear that that one plays it way too safe like just do stupid stuff and that's why i think i really liked the black panther one i actually maybe maybe i'm the only one who thinks this i really like that one guy i thought he was funny the whole time uh the one oh, that you guys hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't remember, I don't remember um, his name. Yeah. Um, um, I, yeah, we know who you're... The guy who is comic relief all the yeah, time. Yeah, I thought uh, he was funny. I thought it was dumb. Korath. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought Korath was funny. Uh, I agree. It's not his character, but I don't... To be honest, don't care. <laughs> I thought he was fun. I thought he was stupid. I thought he was funny. Um, 
Yeah, no, I thought that was good. I think so far, I think the Doctor Strange one might be the strongest because it's got the most emotional tie. Uh, but I think as far as like a fun, like one that I would watch again out of all of these is probably either the Star-Lord one or maybe the Zombies one. Maybe I think I was a little less high on the Zombie one than you guys were. Uh, I thought it was cool, but I think it could have been, like I think they could have gone further with it. And I think that's maybe a criticism I have of What If in general is that they always stop before i think they should have gone for like i think they should go further with every single one of these like i want to see it like they they are still too close to the mcu um and i think that is to a the detriment of the show like i think the show has some really really interesting ideas and never gets to explore the ideas because they are trying to adhere too much to the mcu which the comics don't have that problem the comics aren't you are trying to be spider-man but you're not specifically trying to be any particular run of spider-man you just got to throw Spider-Man in there. It can be whatever Spider-Man you want. But this one, they have to show you the Hank Pym from the MCU. They have to show you the Tony Stark. They have to show you the T'Challa. And I think that can sometimes restrict them a little bit in the, the way that they're able to do their storytelling. That's actually a good point. Yeah, that's cool. I, I only missed two episodes. I thought I was going to miss this one. I absolutely did not think I was going to be on this episode. So I was prepared to miss three. Uh, the last two were miserable not to be on the podcast. I... Both times after first watch, I'm like, oh god, I, I desperately wish I could be there to talk about this stuff. The the Eduardo kind of covered the Doctor Strange episode. It was not my personal cup of tea um, because I was actually in Miami when I watched it. I wasn't in London yet, so I wasn't drinking tea. But it was so well, like it was objectively extremely well done, and it really, Eduardo's c- completely correct. I'm 100 with him on liking that this is different liking that they're doing different things. Maybe not different enough. I agree with that too. I agree they're not maybe going far enough, but they are going farther than, you know, an MCU movie has. Um, Especially early on, we thought this might be a connected series and then we're kind of in episode two, like, oh, I guess not. And I think I had a little bit of disappointment of that at first. And now I think that past me was stupid because I think it's been great that they've all been separated. It just allows them to do a completely new story every time. And I love that. I, I That has made it, more varied and more enjoyable and this sort of what you said of all these episodes kind of being the same like not love i agree with that it's also really hard to rate because like i'm used to rating these films and now it's like how do i rate this 30 minute cartoon like i enjoyed it i didn't enjoy it like end game does that mean i give it a five because it's not as good as end game or so that's been hard um but i've enjoyed it because they've done the different things and the doctor strange episode was a good example of that of just really going after my emotions in a, you know, again, a 30 minute throwaway cartoon. It was just so well done. Um, Well-written. Benedict Cumberbatch did a great job with the voice acting. Just uh, fantastic. The zombies episode was the hard one for me not to be here though. Cause that felt like that one felt like more specifically for me. And I say that as someone who doesn't generally like zombie stuff, I wasn't excited that there was going to be a zombies episode, but then very quickly, it was a hilarious episode with some great references. It, it grabbed, I mean, right, right. Immediately you have Wasp and Spider-Man as the heroes. So it was, it absolutely, was absolutely for me. It was fantastic. Um, I, I really like, I know Chris talked about this, the collection of MCU characters they decided to put together as their hero team. They went with some off the beaten path characters. They, they gave us some, spider-mans they're a little bit more free in the cartoons to do what they feel like with spider-man obviously i was incredibly happy to see a great awesome story arc for for wasp 
So I, I, that was, I think a great use of what all the things you're saying, all they did a great use of what they can do with what if, which is these characters never really get some of them. Um, they either don't get feature roles in films or they don't necessarily get paired together and you don't see them interact. And they used zombies to really kind of do that. Uh, so I loved it. I, I agree with pretty much everything you said of, I enjoy what if existing. I enjoy Disney plus giving us this, you know, sort of smaller, lower stakes experience that for, uh, for the Marvel fans. And there are plenty of Marvel fans at this point. It just gives us something different. Just, you know, 30 minutes each week of, a new story that is, you know, fresh. And sometimes they're going to be misses. And if they're going to be misses, oh, well, try again next week. Yeah. I, I'm not going to expect every episode to be perfect, and that's fine. It's not a failure when one of the episodes isn't perfect. So I really like it. I also think it's good that we have kind of a kind of a break between the more serious Agreed. and, like, oh, not serious, but, like, you know, heavier you know, like Loki and WandaVision. We had WandaVision, then we had immediately, then almost immediately we had a uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then immediately we had Loki, and it felt like we kind of had been nonstop for a few months. We've got movies kind of peppered throughout, so it is nice to have, what if isn't necessarily a full break, but it's a little bit of a break, and we're going to have a little bit of a break until the next uh, show, which I think is Hawkeye. And so there'll be, a, there'll be a little of a break between that. We'll obviously continue to put out stuff for you guys to listen to, but it's nice to be able to kind of take a break from this uh, this MCU because I think it make it helps you enjoy when the the shows do come out because it starts to it can sometimes homogenize a little bit when you're watching them uh, so frequently and right after the one another. Agreed. Well, if you guys want to listen to our takes even more, say you want to hear firsthand knowledge of what we have to think about literally anything uh, MCU related or Marvel related or comics related. You can support us over at patreon.com slash assembly required. You can join our patron exclusive discord there. Um, we uh, were there constantly talking about all kinds of stuff. We've got a lot of really great uh, people in there who share uh, probably the same interests as you. So if you've ever wanted to support the show, anything helps. Um, if you're wondering where those fees go, they go to help pay um, the production of this podcast. So they pay for the, the website hosting and things like that. Um, so anything helps, uh, we appreciate all of our patrons. Uh, thank you guys so, so much for continuing to listen here. Now today we're going to discuss what if episode six, what if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark? So straight out of the first scene in the first film in the MCU, Tony Stark's caravan is attacked by the 10 rings before he can be injured by his own missile though. Navy seal, Eric Killmonger Stevens rescues him and escorts him to safety and i already i had been feeling this way from the beginning of what if but i think i it came to a head here for me and this was one of the scenes that kind of set me off was this scene of tony stark in the van in the the caravan with the guy doing the you know um no gang size planes i feel like i've watched that scene maybe a hundred times like that's like a really like <laughs> It's like a really quotable scene. It's like a really synonymous scene with Iron Man, like that like interaction. And it felt like slightly off in this. And that's one, because that wasn't Robert Downey Jr. And two, because the animation doesn't necessarily look like Robert Downey Jr., even though that is who they are portraying. Like that is supposed to be Robert Downey Jr. that they are animating there. 
some of the characters I think tend to look better. Like I thought Killmonger looked great. Like I thought that looked just like Michael B. Jordan, but I thought Tony Stark didn't really look like Robert Downey Jr. And so there can, there's a little bit of a disconnect there. And I feel like it feels sort of like the Marvel um, Avengers game that came out a couple years ago where the characters were like MCU adjacent versions of the Avengers. So they didn't necessarily look like the, the actors, but they looked close enough that you felt like you were looking in like a weird bizarro dimension. Like what if these other people were the Avengers? And I felt that way about some of the characters here. And it can sometimes be a little distracting when you're watching. Yeah. It was really off putting when that game first came out. Like I've seen enough of it. I haven't played it myself, but it was almost like, it was like that meme, like, all right, copy your home, my homework, but just change some of the answers. So it doesn't look like I cheated. Like, like maybe they should have had a little more unique of designs for those characters so that they looked different enough. But also the ones in the MCU are based on how the comics ones look and you can only translate so well from drawn medium to real live humans. So, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's like, it's like those weird, uh, like Chinese, not technically copywritten video games that are exactly the same as their, predecessors but they're not yes that's what it is and when we talked about it briefly on the first episode where i i i felt this way from the first episode and i think i agree with you i felt it even more in this one the one thing is it's this animation does the action really well like the fight the the battle in wakanda was i I don't know how much we can talk about on the episode because it was you know people hitting robots with spears which was cool just don't know how much to say about that on a podcast but it was great. The action was fantastic. When when T'Challa is running around the boat and taking people out, really great action. It does the action very fluidly. It's just, yeah, it's off-putting when it is the face on the camera. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I've been so negative on the show. There are stuff that I really like about the show. I've been here for five minutes and I'm already super negative, it feels like. But uh, <laughs> there's stuff I like, I like, but there's just a lot of really weird things that kind of like it stops it from going to the next level for me. And part of that is because some of the episodes look way better than other episodes. And some scenes tend to look way better than other scenes. And so it becomes difficult when you have the scenes and the episodes that look really, really good versus the ones that look and scenes that look not so good. Uh, It can kind of be a little jarring sometimes. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought the person that did the voice acting for Tony at least sounded a lot like him. Really? I thought the opposite. See, okay, I was back and forth. There were points of the episode that I thought, yeah, that's a good impression. There were points in the episode that I'm like, that is is taking me out of the episode with how bad it was. It was back and forth. Well, I'll tell you, I guess you can count mine as back and forth then too, because I, the first time I watched it, my thoughts were, I could definitely tell that was not Robert Downey Jr., and the second time I was like, okay, now that I know that's not Robert Downey Jr., let me like listen. And I was like, okay, no, he sounds pretty similar. Like he he has inflections down really well. Like just the way that Robert Downey Jr. talks, he like has that down to like a T. Maybe the voice isn't exactly the same sound, but what he's doing with his voice is like, yeah, that sounds like Robert Downey Jr. talking. I think the scenes, it maybe I'm the scene, I think this is part of what I was saying earlier, where they need to step away a little bit from the MCU because the scenes that are most jarring are the ones that are plucked 
right from the MCU. And these aren't exactly. just any yeah. random scenes. These are some of the most iconic scenes in all of the MCU. He literally does yep. the I am Iron Man snap. And like, yep. I've heard that a bajillion times. I've heard the, the, the caravan scene a ton of time. Like a lot of these scenes I've heard a lot and it makes it jarring when they're similar, but a little off. And you can, it makes that a lot more apparent when you're talking about scenes like that. That's fair. Yeah, no, that's definitely fair. If it would have been more original content, like yeah. more original dialogue that you didn't really have anything to compare to, except, oh, this guy sounds like RDJ. Right. It would, it would be like, okay, I'm convinced. Yeah. The snap is one of those moments where you're like, that is definitely not RDJ. Right. <laughs> uh, Stark gives a press conference after his rescue, making it clear that he will be doubling down on Stark Industries' weapon production rather than disbanded as we saw it on the timeline. He further introduces Eric as the new chief security officer, which Killmonger uses in his op as an opportunity to expose Obadiah Stane as the one who arranged for the hit on Stark. I... Got thought him. this episode around this time was going in a different direction. Yep, I, sure did. I thought this was a, what if Eric Killmonger was like a good person and like yes. didn't go through some of the bad stuff. Like at this point, I was like, oh, maybe they're like gonna do like what if like because right, I think maybe it was they maybe it was early really, enough in his career he wasn't warped yet. It's, right, yeah. right, and then they do some really interesting things, and I think later on, I think they sort of throw some of these things away, and I don't like, but they have some really interesting themes. They talk about, the Watcher talks about how heroes aren't born, they're created, right? They're made through the choices that you make and through going through hard experiences, and that's how you make a hero, and I thought that's what we were doing with, with Eric in this, and clearly we weren't, but at the yeah. time when I was watching this, that's what I thought. Yep, I thought that what it was going to be was Tony Stark is an Iron Man, but he inspires Killmonger to be a hero. Yes, I thought that's right. what was going to happen. I thought that's where we were headed, and that is definitely not. I am. I'm not with you guys on that one. No? <laughs> <laughs> no. Excuse me. I, I don't know. I just felt... You know, they play his little villain... By the way, you, I think someone says this in the notes, but the music is really good in this episode. Especially the yes. stings. The stings with Killmonger, like... Every time he has one of these mm -hmm. these um, kind of villainous undermining plot points, it plays that sting. Yeah. And it played that sting a little bit when he was exposing Obadiah. So that's why I was like, nah, this he's like he's got a plan. Well I didn't he's he's I setting think that's something just his up. theme though. I think that is just the Killmonger theme. Yeah. And that's fair, and he's a villain, so I associate that fair. theme with, right. villainy. with villainy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sure, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, the music has, was great in this episode. I think it was really... I think... They used so I, many Black Panther themes so well, just well, and like Black the Panther has one uh -huh. of, if not the best score in the MCU, and I think it's because its themes are so... Yes. It's so easy to pick out. They're so recognizable. Yeah, that... They're authentic. That, the, that swelling theme that plays... Um, on the sunset when Killmonger is dying from the film. Mm -hmm. Like they used that, but more subtly and quiet when he's having his spirit dream at the end. And I picked it out quickly and I don't usually pick out those things, but it was like, it was great. It was cool hearing that and how it was used. It, the, the music in that is very good. And let me tell you, when you go back and watch the movie again, the movie, the, the music in the movie is fantastic. Stane is arrested and Stevens is instead promoted all the way to Stark Industries as COO. 
Pepper Potts is uncomfortable with the situation, not trusting Eric, but when she meets with James Rhodes, he assures her Stephen's record is clean. Eric tells Tony about his MIT doctoral thesis proposing automated combat drones designed to make human soldiers obsolete. Stark helps, decides to help Stevens make his project a reality, and the two, along with Jarvis, start to build a working version of his Gundam-esque drone. I love this, one, because Killmonger isn't necessarily a big anime fan. Michael B. Jordan is a big anime fan. Oh yeah, oh I didn't and know I that. I love that they put in a little Michael B. Jordan in this. Well, I don't, I don't know if I brought this up on the the Black Panther episode, but Killmonger's outfit is supposed to look like Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z. So I'm pretty sure we talked I about it. Thought yeah. that I thought that it looks like Vegeta's outfit without even really being a Dragon Ball Z fan. So yeah. that's interesting. Well, and um, uh, Simulu's outfit. In um in Shang Chi is supposed to look like Goku. He's got a point where he's got a he's got um it's a like an orange hoodie with like blue sleeves, mm-hmm. and that's a that's that's yeah like the Goku. varsity jacket yeah the like varsity yes. jacket thing yeah yeah it's supposed to look like Goku. Interesting. That's pretty cool. <clears throat> yeah, it's super cool. I'm Super Saiyan. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Eric tells nope. I already read that. Oh, man, good to be back. After a montage, the drone is complete, but unable to function successfully, and they learn they need a new power source. Tony Frank proposes... Oh, go ahead. That's the kind of parallel to the original story that I like, where they put in a little tiny funny moment that is similar to something that happened, like when we see Tony experimenting with his armor the first time, and he slams himself into the ceiling. Like, this is a different version of that scene and i appreciate it because it's a different person involved but the story beats are kind of there but not in a way where you're like this is exactly the same yeah i agree i think it's really cool the way they do that i think the little nod to the arc reactor is fun and how quickly they're like no that's stupid and they kind of move on to the next thing (laughs) you have to be in a cave with a box of scraps otherwise it doesn't work Uh, Eric instead proposes using vibranium to build the power system as well as the armor. Now, Robbie, the the plot here is going at a brisk pace. Mm-hmm. And I think we can both agree that some of these things, I think, would be better served being expanded on. Yeah. Uh, and it's... I think it circles back once again to the comparisons to the MCU. If this was an original mm-hmm. story that didn't connect to the MCU, you could just show me whatever you want. But I already know what happens in Iron Man. I understand a lot of what's happened with these two characters already. So I have things that I want to see with these characters, and it makes it feel like these things are happening too quickly. Yeah, and okay, so we talked a little bit about this at the start of the episode of Don't Take This Too Seriously, so I'm going to caveat with this sounds more like criticism than it's meant to be. And you you talked about a little while ago about feeling negative when you're not actually negative. And I'm going to feel that way on this episode too. I'm going to say I've liked What If and I like this episode. So everything I'm going to say on this episode feels like I'm criticizing when I'm not necessarily criticizing. I, I'm just talking about observations, I guess, that sound negative. And Chris last week talked about don't, t- don't pick apart the plot points. Don't take this too seriously. He's absolutely correct. But because of this podcast, I'm now going to pick the pot apart the plot pet points and take them too seriously. So one of the things about these episodes that I keep hearing from other people, and for some people, this is criticism for some of them. They're not liking this is that it skips over stuff really fast. They move quickly. 
Um, you don't see things you'd like to see or things are left with little explanation that should would get more explanation in a longer form story. And that's, I, I don't think that's necessarily invalid criticism. It's just, I personally like that we're getting these little cartoons. And so I'm willing to accept that as a necessary evil, if you will, of getting these little cartoons. They don't, I'm, they're not really going to have the time or the budget to make, you know, several five episode mini arcs to give us every little explanation. I don't expect that of them. I want the product they're giving me. So I accept that I'm going to miss some things in getting this product. And that's that they, we skip over stuff. And that's fine. The point of these is giving me cool stuff. We're going to talk about this more, I'm sure. But this episode was cool because we got to see Eric Killmonger for, for half an hour. And he's one of the best villains in the MCU. And we got to see him do very well in this episode as well. And it was cool. It was fun. And that's what this episode gave me. It gave me another cool little story. And it got there quickly. It got to what's cool about it fast. And that's fine. It, it cut out the vegetables and the potatoes and the wine. And it just gives me, here is your steak. And that's not what I want every piece of fictional media to, media to be. But it's how these cartoons are. That said... Here are the things we missed that I would like to see um, or that I kind of have questions about. Uh, one of, one of the, impl- the first is the implication that sets up this episode. The first few episodes in What If kind of talked about this is your one little thing that flipped everything on its ear. We don't really get what is our one little thing. We know that things changed because Eric Killmonger saved Tony Stark. But I have some questions about, like, is the implication here that in our mainline universe... Killmonger was undercover in the Ten Rings, but decided not to save Tony Stark for whatever reason. And it's not so much that I can't accept that. It's just I'm kind of wondering, is that what our little flip is? Otherwise, this is a major flip, which is not really, I think, what the conceit of the episodes is supposed to be. Yeah, I think this uh, the show, mm-hmm. speaking on that point, I think the show kind of struggles with its own premise at times. Like the rules for which what if begins is sort of different episode to episode. Like the first episode, it was like, what if a very small thing happened? But I don't think that's necessarily where some of these episodes have gone. Cause they've been, what if very large things happened and changed all kinds of like, I think right. uh, it, 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 it was said in the first episode that we start from a small scenario, but I don't think lots of these episodes have adhered to that. Right. Um, speaking of which I've got a couple points. Each one, if you've got something to say, just interrupt me. We don't see Pepper grieve about Tony's death at all, which is a little bit jarring. And I'm not saying I'm not saying I wish that the short cartoon spent time on Pepper's grief over Tony Stark. This episode is not ruined by that, but it's just one of those things that it just stood out to me as I know that in the mainline story, Pepper Potts would not be as basically just angry but okay as well, I can she explain is in that. this episode. It's, it's because the um, the writers of What If understand that there's no chemistry there and so we decided <laughs> not to waste our time by putting it in what if. I was going to make fun of Eduardo for uh, being about to say that but I was too late. I didn't set you up on purpose but honestly I'm okay that I did. Also though, I I don't I don't know if I buy that one because we're at you know in this storyline we're at the beginning of Iron Man 1 like plot-wise in in our regular MCU story and I don't think Pepper really cares about him like that until at least near the end of that movie. I'm glad you brought that up. because And that it's was, barely. That was in my brain. And part of me almost wanted to go back and watch that movie, or at least the first part, to kind of like clue in. 
am I supposed to think she feels yeah, no, strongly at, about him or not early at on? At first, she's she's like obviously the actual brains of the company and like is working directly for him. But I think she thinks he's kind of like uh, a a slut. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the best way to to describe what she thinks Tony is. I don't think yeah, she really sees him in any sort of like loving relationship way for a while i don't even That's remember if, if it happens in within the first movie it might not happen it, until ab- the second it definitely one. happens within the first movie because oh because they kiss that, at the end yeah yeah. well and even before that the sections about when when she's helping him with the art reactor and you know the the proof tony stark has a heart and oh sure and sure. him telling her that you're all i've got like she there's definitely I'm but not going to get what? into whether or not there's chemistry argument, but there is supposed to be chemistry yeah. before the, the end of that movie. Some, some bit of the catalyst of whatever would have started their relationship could have been the fact that he was missing in a cave yeah. and presumed yeah, dead possibly. for so long. That's and that didn't happen. So her kind of shitty boss went away to Afghanistan in this story and then came back safe a lot earlier than expected. And now she has to deal with you know, yeah. him doubling down on weaponry and promoting this dude that they know nothing about. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's so weird. Okay. And, and again, it's not so much. That, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That all makes sense. Okay. I'm not saying the U S is not aggressive in its colonialism, but I am not sure that the U S would build a bunch of experimental, experimental, I'm assuming very expensive drones to go to war with a tiny country because a handful of people were murdered and they don't actually even know who murdered those people. Um, again, moved along the plot. So that's not, I, I, I'm going to accept that in this cartoon, uh, but it is one of those things that if this was a longer form narrative, I think I'd get a more convincing reason that Thunderbolt was straight up going to war with Wakanda. I would love, I think the big one to me is we don't get any bit of, shuri investigating how she finds stark's data why she finds stark's data what she does with stark's data again i am not mad that the show didn't spend time on that it's just another one of those things that in a longer form story i think we would have seen some great shuri moments um, detective shuri uh, and i think that would be interesting and, and how she decides okay i can trust pepper Potts. i'm going to go to pepper Potts, and the two of us are going to save the day why is detective shuri not a show are you listening to this, Marvel? Kevin Feige, what are you doing? Detective yeah. Shuri, let's go. Yeah, I'm down with that. Agree and disagree with that last point. I disagree that American colonialism isn't like high enough to go and blow up a small country for killing a few Americans. But I do agree they wouldn't build a bunch of robots because they have enough guns already to blow up that country without the robots. Yeah, the the robots are definitely part of it. They didn't need that. For what they think Wakanda is, they didn't need to go into that. Uh, now, for what Wakanda is, maybe they need the robots, but they don't know that. And then I also think, and, and to that point, I think they would like just make sure, hey, we know who killed Tony Stark. And But yeah. And then I, all of that was absolutely worth it just to give us a fun episode. That's it. It was just some stuff that's kind of left, and there's probably more things. Um, I think we would have gotten a, a bigger battle for Wakanda. Just a lot of stuff where it's... I, I think this is... Eduardo either already said this or is going to say this. I kind of feel some of these leave me wanting... I wish I saw the bigger version of this story. And I saw more of the stuff that went into this story. And again, that is not 
it's not so much a complaint, just a thought I have coming out of the episode. I feel like I all I maybe I'm wrong here. This felt more than any of the episodes like a part one of a second part. Like and I don't know if you guys saw the mid season stinger. Uh, there they came out with a mid-season trailer for What If that shows a, a few of the scenes from the next few episodes. I'd put some money on us seeing some of these characters again. Yeah, well, that feel- lines up with our theory. Yeah, <laughs> along with I think the the thing that Peach really brought up with the Watcher, along with that, I do feel like there's potentially we're kind of setting up a revisiting each of these stories, combining somehow in the finale. I think you might be right. I think that would make me care a lot more about these individual stories because I don't I don't know that I would say that I I agree with you that this one had is the most part one feeling episode, but a lot of them have felt like that to me. Yeah, like like almost all of them. The only one that really didn't feel like that to me was the Captain Carter episode because it ends similarly to the way that the Captain America movie ends. Right. Except she, you know should have said the I had a dateline. I forgot she didn't her. say that. Ugh. Yeah, they robbed her of that. But all the other ones were like, wait, I want to know more. Like, what's going on with Ego? I guess really the detective Nick Fury didn't either, but all I, the other ones. <laughs> I thought the Hank Pym one very much felt like a first part as well. I actually, I, I'm also going to politely push back along with you on this one didn't feel that much like a a part one to me because the ending it, it does it, it i'm not disagreeing that it does feel somewhat like a part one it just feels less like a part one than some of the other ones to me because the ending i feel like is without some story contrivance which is possible it's probably open and shut is shuri proves that hey everyone we're going to war for the wrong reasons and then even though he's the black panther i'm assuming killmonger isn't gonna going to be able to push back against the entirety of wakanda once they realize what happened and and Thunderbolt Ross, I'm assuming, will not be pushing the war quite so aggressively or quite so easily, probably still aggressively. Once he, you, Now that he knows what Wakanda has, he I probably a, wants it. But I have a sad question, though. Do you truly believe that Thunderbolt Ross, the U.S. military, etc., would believe the detective work of a small black girl and a secretary no. that is a woman? No, but I believe Shuri would have a good way of putting it out there in a way that would convince him. I don't think she, I don't think Shuri going there with her files would convince him, but I think she is smart enough to know that and present it. She probably also wouldn't go to him. She's probably not going to Thunderbolt Ross. She's probably going to uh, Congress people who are going to be level-headed. There's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. There's two or or three of them. The U S the U S Congress is very level-headed and would listen to a, and there are, small black girl. there are absolutely level-headed people in, in, up the chain of command in the military. Thunderbolt Ross is not the one, but there are other ones. So I I think it's not so much that I think Shuri is going to convince Thunderbolt Ross. I think it is Shuri is going to have a good plan for convincing the United States. Gotcha. Okay. Initially unsure of where to get Vibranium, Stark remembers black market dealer Ulysses Claw and has Pepper arrange a meeting between Claw and Rhodes to buy Vibranium on behalf of the U.S., Rhodey and a small Air Force group meet with Claw in his salvage yard and arrange the purchase. Just before Claw can hand over the vibranium, however, T'Challa attacks as the Black Panther, taking out the guards while Claw hides. This scene's really cool. 
Um, it reminds me a lot of the first action scene we get with Black Panther in the movie Black Panther, where he's like in the trees and he's attacking those. Um, he's trying to get um, what's her name? Oh my goodness! Not Nakia. Nakia, right? He's trying because, to get yeah, Nakia. Nakia. And he uh, he like attacks those like militia type guys that she's with. And he like he's like the most stealthy of the MCU, which I think is supposed to be like Black Widow in some ways. But I think he's kind of taken the the mantle of most like stealthy. Like if you're trying to like, like separate them all into like different video games, like Doctor Strange is like a fantasy game, and you know Spider Man's solid an Snake game, vibes, and he's like you know you know your stealth action game, um, Metal Gear Panther. <laughs> And this scene gave me vibes of that. And it made me want yeah, to Yeah, I agree with Panther. that. Actually, it's really funny you said that because as I was watching this, it made me think of how much I wanted to play a Black Panther game that had like Arkham Asylum type moments. Yeah. So it's really funny that you say that. Yeah, that'd be sick. Insomniac, yes. where are you at? Yeah, I was sitting there thinking, do I want it to be a like an Avengers game where Black Panther is one of the people you play as or an entire Black Panther game? I couldn't decide. But I knew that I wanted to be able to do that. So I did it. It's funny we brought it up in the episode earlier, but I did pick up Marvel's Avengers because it was on sale. I picked it up for 20 bucks. I've played one hour of it. And so far, I kind of like it. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Did you play the demo at all? I didn't really play the demo, no. Okay. Yeah, they just added Black Panther, so... Right, they just added... And that's what I was going to say. They just added Black Panther there. He's got his whole expansion that he has in Wakanda, so I'm interested to see how he plays in that. Now, when you say on sale, how much did you spend? I spent 20 bucks. Yeah, see, I mean, that's my thing. When it came out, it sounded like I don't want to spend full price on this game. Right. Not necessarily, I don't ever want to touch this game with a 10-foot pole. And that's how I felt, too. I was just waiting for it to go on, like, until I was comfortable enough in its sale that I was like, I'll pay this amount of much money for this because one, they have to their credit still been very, um, they've been very good about putting out content for that game. They've put out a lot. Um, like, uh, they've put out a lot of DLC. Like they have one with, um, Kate Bishop. They have one where, uh, where Hawkeye goes to the future and meets the maestro. Um, and then they have one in Wakanda. And so they've got some really interesting stuff they're doing there. And from what I understand, the weak points of the game are the games as a service. We're not, we're not even a video game podcast, which let's not even get into that. But um, the weak points of that game <laughs> are the games as a service. But what was strong about the game was the story that they told. And that's what I'm interested in. I'm not here to play an Avengers games as a service game. I'm here to watch uh, play a cool Marvel story. And so far, it's been pretty cool. Do you, did when you bought it mm-hmm. um did you buy it for PS5 or for PC PS5 Is it cross platform? I don't know. Okay. I mean, I'd probably get it for PS5 anyway cuz PS5 still lacking in a game library. But I digress. I mean, <laughs> the the PS5 or your PS5? My PS5. Oh, okay. I was like the yeah. PS5 is not lacking in a game library, but No. No, no, no. There's plenty of stuff to play for it. I just don't have that plenty of stuff. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> 20 bucks is, a, I think, a, a, a fair price to pay for something like that. But I'll, I, I, I'll buy it at a high price. <laughs> I'll keep you guys updated on how I like it or not. 
But also this scene made me want to watch Black Panther, which I did immediately afterwards, and I cried. Uh, so there you have it. T'Challa asks Rhodey to allow him to take the vibranium back where it belongs, but Killmonger attacks and subdues them both with a Stark Industry sound cannon, using it to kill T'Challa. Killmonger places the gun in T'Challa's hands, then asks Rhodes why he would work on behalf of his oppressors. James tells Stevens you have to work within the system to change it, but Killmonger disagrees, saying you have to burn the whole thing down, then uses one of T'Challa's claws to kill the lieutenant. With everyone else dead, Claw comes out, and we see that he and Stevens are working together in this universe as well. And Claw has baited T'Challa into disrupting the sale to set up Killmonger's trap. Killmonger meets with Stark at his home to convince him they need to get revenge on Wakanda for Rhodey's death. This is another one of those things that felt really sudden for me. Like, Stark and and, um, Steve were like best friends, and then immediately right after uh, Killmonger does the bad things, uh, Tony's like, you thought I wouldn't find out. Like, typically those types of betrayals are played with a little bit more time. Yeah, like, you know. But he, yeah, this is actually originally where I was going to talk about my things moving fast point, but uh, for uh, tempo reasons, I put it elsewhere. <laughs> uh, Stark instead shows Stevens Jarvis's recording of the events in the salvage yard. He activates the security system to trap Killmonger inside and reveals he used Killmonger's vibranium ring to build a working version of the drone. Using a Wakandan spear taken from Claw, Killmonger is able to beat the drone in hand-to-hand combat and then turns to finish Stark. Tony tells Eric he thinks they're the same, both orphans trying to do right by their fathers, but Killmonger kills him, saying, the difference between you and me is you can't see the difference between you and me. Um, I actually really like this line. Um, I thought, same. as far as the, the plot is concerned, I thought it was a little... And, you know, whatever. But as far as lines go, I actually enjoyed this line because there's a lot of talk in this episode about being being better and choosing to be better or the choices that you make are really what make you a hero and all of that. And, you know, if Tony Stark hadn't had gone through the traumatic events, he would have continued to be the same Tony Stark that he was at the beginning of Iron Man, which was not a good person. And this Tony Stark is convinced that he is a good person, but what's the first thing he says after he gets attacked? We got to make bigger, better guns. That's what we need to do. We need to outblow up our uh, opponents. And, you know, obviously, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not going to infer your listeners' uh, views on warfare or how those things work. Personally, for me, I don't actually think that's the correct option. I don't think having the bigger gun is typically the, uh, the first approach. And I think Killmonger kind of makes a good point. He's like, you do these things because you've always had the opportunities. Like, yeah, we're the same. We had bad dads, but you were a billionaire who grew up with literally everything. And I had to scratch and claw for literally everything. Like, you think we're the same, but we're actually not the same at all. And I actually, I I, I appreciate that. Um, I think Killmonger has some of the best one-liners in the, the MCU. And I think this... Uh, this adds to it. But as far as the plot's concerned, Peaches, uh, you weren't a fan as a, as a whole uh, of where the, the, the plot was going. I knew Robbie would put my point here after this line that I also really like and agree with <laughs> <laughs> so that I could shit on this episode. <laughs> Let me also just say I agree with everything you just said. 
and I like that line a lot, and I think it speaks to Tony's privilege versus Killmonger's lack of privilege. Right. And that's why Tony thinks they're the same, and um, they're not the same. But, yeah, I, you know, something about this episode, it, it, I've talked about this feeling that I've had on some of the things we've reviewed on this show before, whether I liked it or whether I didn't like it, where I just don't know why. Like, I couldn't put my finger on exactly what it was that made me feel the way that I felt in the long run, right? This episode, something about it just like, something about the, the plot, and, and the best word I can think of is cringy, but it, I don't know, something about it just doesn't feel correct to me. It feels off. I think what it is, my best guess about why this feels off, and this is an example of, you know, us watching Killmonger kill a person that we care about so it it does fit in with what i'm gonna say i was just giving robbie a hard time but i think it's a tough episode to watch because we're watching this villain who may very well be the villain in the mcu that you can get behind their message the easiest right like a lot of people pull that bullshit thanos was right the whole time no 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 if you're gonna pick a villain to say they were right the whole time you pick killmonger and it's tough to watch him go through all of these scenarios where he's scheming and getting away with his, his schemes because we know he's the villain. So watching him get away with terrible thing after terrible thing after terrible thing, I don't know. It's just, I think it made it hard to watch. And maybe that's what feels off about this episode is like, part of you is supposed to you know he's the main character and the main character can be a villain of course plenty of stories where the main character is a villain but on the one hand you want to feel positive toward what he's doing because he like i said he might be the character the villain that you agree with the most in the mcu but on the other hand you're watching him do a bunch of terrible things to get there and so yeah i don't know i just i walked away from this one the first time i watched it not knowing how i felt and I hoped that when I went back for my second watch, I would figure whatever that mystery was. I maybe am getting a little closer, but I still, I, think I you're don't on, know. I think you're on the right track. I watched, like I said, I watched Black Panther immediately after this. And there is a scene in Black Panther where they do the second of the, um, God, what do, what do they call it? The Where he challenges for the throne and they do the second of the, the, the fights. And Killmonger's talking to Black Panther and he's talking about how all of the people he's had to kill. And he's not talking about it in a positive way. He's saying, I had to kill all these people. I didn't want to do this, but that's what I had to do to get back here. I had to kill my own brothers and sisters to cut on this, you know, on this continent to come back here. He didn't want to do these things. And I think that's the disconnect between the Killmonger we see in Black Panther, who is a sympathetic character, even though they they are clearly skewed in their views, whereas this character almost seems to enjoy doing the bad things that they are doing and they don't seem to have as much care in that regard um you know like killmonger seemed to in black panther seemed to do it out of duty where this one seems to do it out of almost enjoyment uh and i think that's a, a, a disconnect between from the creator not understanding the character well enough yeah that could that could be true yeah, I agree with that. And they keep like playing lip service. Like he keeps saying, I didn't want it to be this way. I didn't want it to do, but I never, it always feels like he's just saying those words. I don't mm-hmm. feel that from the character the way I do in the film. 
And Peaches, I felt the way you're saying in this exact scene, exactly like you're saying, I know he's the villain and I know he keeps getting away with stuff. And this was the scene that for a minute, I'm, you know, I'm not, this isn't a sporting event. I'm not standing up and down and pumping my fists, but my, you know, almost emotionally, I'm like, oh yeah, Tony's going to make him pay now. Now, now he's going to get some retribution. And, you know, he's, Tony's really clever. He brought him into this trap. He set up the security system. He built the drone. And you think, all right, he's going to get undone by his own drone. And then, then he just kind of effortlessly kills the drone and then kills Tony Stark. And it's just kind of, okay, so it's going to be like this. Got it. It's... Well, that's because Tony Stark does the stupid thing that villains normally do where he reveals the weakness of the thing. <laughs> he he's like, really ha ha, you have to fight the thing. And just so you know, in case you forgot, it knows all of the same moves as you. <laughs> like, hey, by the way, its weakness is water type. Like, what? Why are you? Why are you revealing the weakness of the thing? Also, to y'all's point about him feeling more sinister in this one, and I know he has the marks on his chest in the movie, but it's tough for me to believe a guy saying, "I had to do this. It was part of the plan. Like, it was something I needed to do." And then he also Victor Zazes himself with marks every time he kills somebody. Clearly you care a little bit about killing people because you tattoo your body with a, a mark every time you do it. Well, I, I mean, I, I think the argument could be that it is a reminder. Like it is a reminder of all these people that you had, like all of the atrocities you had to commit so that you never forget what you've done. Like you can, you can spin that, I think in a positive or negative light. Like you could say it's like, Oh, he's uh. trying to remember. Cause you know, it like, gets him off or something whatever or you could say he uses it as a reminder like these are the things that i've had to do to get here and i'll never forget any of these people okay i guess that's fair yeah i'm breaking the tie by voting with eduardo you can do that that's fine i'm not always right he's a very seven pounds vibe then three person (laughs) episodes are good because then we never have ties or unless we have a three-way tie robbie (laughs) there are only ever two opinions there is only zero and one Oh, there's no opinions, only Zool. General Thunderbolt Ross interprets Stark death via Wakandan spear as a message from Wakanda and has the military seize control of Stark Industries to mass-produce drones to attack Wakanda. I don't know, Robbie. That sounds like the most American thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, this one guy (laughs) killed this other guy. This must be an attack on America. That part does. Absolutely, that part does. (laughs) As the drones deploy, Claw takes Killmonger to the border of Wakanda, where Killmonger, again, kills him to use his body as a bargaining chip to meet with the Wakandan court. King T'Chaka assures everyone Stevens is N'Jaka, his nephew, and welcomes his his brother's son home. Killmonger uh, briefs the court on the arrival of the drones and says they're controlled by a satellite hive mind system, telling them the best way to beat the drones is to let them in the Wakandan force field then close the field and sever the U.S. military's connection to the drones. Uh, this plan <laughs> makes no sense. Sorry, the struggle. <laughs> watching, watching you struggle with that was pretty damn funny. Sherry protests Sorry. because it's stupid, but T'Chaka agrees to Killmonger's plan. Why not just let them run into the force field? You have a force field. At Thank least, you. Like, Thank you. Some of them down with the force field. And obviously I know why I I know why Killmonger wants to do it, but why is everyone else just yes, 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 you're right. right. Turn off the force field. Turn (laughs) off the force field. Right. In all honesty, this episode made um 
made T'Chaka seem like an absolute fool. It's <laughs> yeah, he just, just I just don't understand the like rationale here. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, as the yeah, they did oh, their Facebook research, and then <laughs> after they did Facebook research, they were like, "It makes more sense if we just remove our defenses see, completely." The the the, uh, the shield is an FDA approved, and right. so uh, and the robots are made of horse paste. Oh, you know what? And I heard my buddy, uh, my buddy's friend, went through the shield, and it enlarged his testicles, and so now <laughs> he's not able to have his wedding. <laughs> Everybody knows your friend's a motherfucking monster. <laughs> On top of all that, not just does the force field protect them, but they show in this episode that Ross and the military and the drones can't even see where the capital is. No. They can't even see it. Like, what were they going to do? What was actually going to happen if they just left the force field up? They weren't going to get destroyed, that's for sure. Like, I just, you're right. You're right. You're right. It's even worse. Now that you've said it, I realize it's even worse than I thought watching. It just doesn't make any sense. And I know I'm the one that came in here first and was, you know, tooting my horn. Like, you guys got to stop taking this so seriously. <laughs> right. But this doesn't make any right. sense. You see, Eduardo? You see? It's way harder once you're actually on the podcast <laughs> to not do this. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying that Shuri isn't smart because I think Shuri is the probably the smartest person in the MCU. However, this scene make is almost like they're trying to toot Shuri's horn by saying, "Look at how smart she is. She's the only one that knew Killmonger was up to something." I think that's but part of it. Why weren't they aware of that Killmonger was up to something right after? Right after T'Chaka says. I don't remember the exact line, but the robots come in and they stop and then they power down. And T'Chaka's like, you always have a home in Wakanda. And out loud, Killmonger's response is, yeah, but I want a little bit more. <laughs> well, you're a villain! Clearly! <laughs> he doesn't hear, right, I guess we're supposed to hear he doesn't hear that line. It's supposed to be under his breath. But like, just don't even say it out loud. Like, just right. don't even say it out loud. Yeah, just you're right. Just smirk this, and hit the button. That's what's going on here is that Shuri is the smartest person in the room, as usual. It's just that they're not doing a good job of how they write. They're doing it by making everyone else so stupid that Shuri with <laughs> right. a... with Shuri here is like a fifth grader, but that's still the smartest person in this room. <laughs> it's just... Oh my God. That's how Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader came to be. The universes are connected. Get yeah. Jeff, what's his name, in here and tell a joke about rednecks and quiz us on fifth grade questions. Oh man, what's that it, Jeff Dunham? Yeah, Jeff. no, Jeff Dunham's the puppet guy, <laughs> dude. And I don't know my wife. Jeff I don't know my wife. Foxworthy, there he oh, is. Yeah. Well, and I like that Shuri is out here basically lampshading all this, but it feels like they're not—they don't realize they have Shuri lampshading all this. Like when he when he reactivates them. And, oh, Tony Stark had a backup transmitter. But, okay, how's the backup transmitter go through the force field? Did Tony Stark build the backup transmitter in the Wakandan capital somehow? And that's how... And you know what? And Shuri just straight up, why would he do that? Yes, exactly, Shuri. <laughs> <Why would> exactly. <laughs> you know what they forgot to do? They forgot to call it quantum, and then we wouldn't have had anything to complain about. Fair, fair. Because then we'd be like, oh, they used quantum. Clearly, we don't understand. It's quantum. <laughs> As the drones arrive, Killmonger's plan is a success somehow. When T'Chaka thanks his nephew, Killmonger uh, says he wishes to serve Wakanda, but the king says he just wants to celebrate and that N'Jaka will always have a home in Wakanda. Saying he wants more than that, out loud, in front of anyone, in front of everyone, Killmonger <laughs> quietly uses a remote activator to restart the drones. 
He blames it on nefarious Stark tech, though Shuri is untrusting because it's all super sketch <laughs> from the beginning. Uh, the Wakandan army leaps into battle against the drones, joined by Killmonger, who was able to save Queen Ramonda and help turn the tide. That is one thing I really like is that she's involved in this battle. I yes. love seeing her yeah. involved uh, and, yep. le- and leading the army. I think that's super cool. I agree. Yeah, this part is this is one of the best parts of the episode. The, this little battle here is really fun. It's animated really well, too. I mm-hmm. like the color contrast between mm-hmm. the Wakandan sky and the robots and the fighting. Also, and I you really know. like I really yeah. like her spear work. I, like she just looks really badass in her Wakandan gear, right. like beating all the robots up with her spear. And like that final moment where she impales two at the same time rips the spear out of both of them and then says for T'Challa and has a tear running down her face. I was like, yeah, damn. I'm ass- Eduardo, I'm assuming you were living for Wakandan warriors fighting Gundams with spears. It was so cool. <laughs> you know so what? Cool. You know what? The um the rhinos that were CG looked more realistic than the rhinos in Black Panther that were CG. I had that thought. I had that exact thought. <laughs> uh I don't agree with that, but that's okay. Um, I <laughs> really like this scene, and I think I am even more like we've talked about this before. I've I've made jokes about the helicarrier, but I do actually believe that the Marvel movies have a problem in some of their settings. Some of their settings can sometimes be a little homogenous. A lot of cities. Even though you've got the Golden Gate Bridge and you're in San Francisco, it all looks the same to me. It all looks like New York City to me. L.A., you know, uh, San Francisco, all these places look similar. And that's what makes these battles and all these things happening in Wakanda so cool is because it's different from what we're seeing everywhere else, right? You've got all these bright, interesting colors and, and palettes and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're being treated to something that you're not normally seeing. It's why I think... Um, which we haven't done an episode on it yet. I was going to say it if you didn't. (laughs) Shang-Chi is so strong of a movie and spoilers for my opinion on that movie is the, the, they go places in that movie that we don't go in the MCU. I think that movie's biggest strength is that for most of it, it's not really an MCU movie. And I think that works to its benefit. Right. Um, So this is a spoiler for our coming Shang-Chi episode for those who don't know, because I am now, I've consulted with my lawyer. I'm now allowed to say these things. Um, I have seen Shang-Chi. It's just I saw it four months ago. But when I saw that, I could tell that, oh, this is going to look so cool. These settings are going to be so great. I have not seen it on its actual release yet. So I was part of a test screening. And so I haven't gotten to see its actual release. But that was something that I was very clear um, even months ago that this film is going to look cool. They're doing a great job taking it to different settings. And I think you're right. I think I'm, I'm excited they did that because especially early on in the MCU, and I obviously liked the early on MCU, and I do like the Helicarrier, but I think absolutely early on in the MCU, they played it very, very safe of trying to make it feel realistic, feel like it's an environment right. that the audience is used to. And sometimes I want to see I want to see environments I am not used to. A lot of times I want to see environments I'm not used to. I haven't been to Africa. It's cool seeing Africa. Um, so yeah, I agree. Another, I think that Guardians movies also can be- benefit from yes the different scenery. I will say, and I feel bad that Chris isn't here. Yes, uh, because I'm saying something that he would want to hear. 
and I'm going to make an admission to everyone on this podcast because I think you all deserve to know this. I watched The Suicide Squad, which is James Gunn's uh, DC movie. I really, really liked that movie. And I wanted to watch another James Gunn movie. But I had watched the first Guardians pretty recently. And I can always turn that movie on, but I just wanted to watch something I hadn't watched in a while. And I turned on Guardians 2, and I think I actually like that movie now. And I don't know when this happened for me. I don't know when that switch flipped. I think some of my criticisms I still have, but also I'm able to turn my monkey brain on and just have a good time. I don't know. I know why. Why? It's because you're a bad daddy now. (laughs) That's it. You figured it out. That's why. Not that you are a poor father, but you're a badass daddy-o. Yeah, no, no. It's because I had my son to then... Um, enslave entire populations and just kill everything. That's the reason. Yeah, I his his first words were, uh, "You're like Mary Poppins, Dad." <laughs> Is Mary Poppins cool? <laughs> I, you know, one thing I'll say. I, I don't think you and I see that film the same way, but I will say it was a movie that I liked more each time I viewed it for the first handful of times. I I did not leave the theater the first time thinking it was to that point, my favorite MCU film. But then on this retrospective, when we got to that film, it was at the top of my rankings at that point. And that was after I'd seen it a few times. Yeah, the MCU, I feel like I'm going through this really interesting change in how I view the MCU movies and why I enjoy some of them and why I don't enjoy them. Sort of like that revelation I had when we went back and watched the first Iron Man and I was like, I actually don't think I like this movie very much. And I didn't like the original Iron Man movies and I didn't kind of don't really enjoy phase one like in general. Like I don't think there are too many phase one movies that I'm going back and I'm watching. And I think it's because a lot of those movies have a homogenization problem. They can sometimes feel really similar. And I think personally, a lot of the, the the criticisms thrown at the MCU are specifically about the movies that happen in phase one. And can sometimes those criticisms are valid about the phase one movies. But the second you move into phase two and you get to Guardians, Guardians is like the jumping off point where they go, actually, wait a second, we can do some different stuff here. And I think from then on, those movies those movies that are different, that, that, that try to do something different, I think I have a much larger appreciation for and i feel like i enjoy a little less the like bigger like i feel like i've talked about this a lot but i like don't like winter soldier as much like i remember thinking winter soldier was the pinnacle of movies i was like man this is the best movie ever and i watched winter soldier once and i never watched it again but i always remembered being like man that was the coolest thing i've ever seen and then we finally did the rewatch and i was like i didn't like that as much nearly as much as i remember and maybe i still i still like it but it wasn't like anywhere close to how I remember. Um, and I know we're talking about sets and all of these things, and I'm going wildly off tangent of where our original topic was. But this I like the tangent, though. Uh, an assembly required podcast without it. But I think when they're doing these interesting sets, when they're doing these interesting things, I think that's what I want to see more of from the MC. I want to see them do just different stuff. That's why I like Loki so much. That's why WandaVision was so cool. That's why I didn't like Falcon and the Winter Soldier so much, because it just felt like more of the same and at this point, after so many movies and so many hours of content, that's what makes comic books special is they're constantly reinventing themselves. They're constantly doing new and interesting things. And guess what? 
sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Sometimes you get the one day more comic from uh one more day comic. I keep saying one day more because it's from um, Les Mis. Uh, and I keep one day more. Exactly. Every time I hear one more day, I think one day more, but whatever. Um, Eduardo Valjean <laughs> stole a loaf of bread. You jerk. I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, MCU uh, connection. Cause that's Hugh Jackman and he's Wolverine and he's in the X-Men and the X-Men are going to be in the MCU at some point, I guess. Uh, we, we brought it back everyone. three degrees. I just want them to do different stuff, man. I want them to keep doing cool, weird, different stuff, which is why I keep feeling like even though some of these episodes I didn't like, I want to go to bat for the show because I want them to feel like they can keep doing weirder and weirder stuff and more interesting stuff because they're at a point now where not everything has to be for everyone. And I feel like they need to treat it like that a little more. It needs to be a little less. This is for everyone. And, be a little more this is going to be for some people and it's not going to be for others and that's cool because what makes the M- the marvel comics so cool is that like you didn't used to be a marvel comics fan you were a fan of the superhero you liked because that's who you felt a connection with you liked reading their story you liked reading the particular writer's story but this is it's turned into i am a marvel fan and i need to like all marvel things and i think that's the wrong way i think that's the wrong approach a hundred percent one hundred percent i think we're getting there though i mean they're pumping out enough content now that they can have these they can feel safer. I'm using air quotes, having these things that are for specific audiences and not for other audiences. And they still have enough stuff that, Hey, if you didn't like this weirder thing, Loki, then you can go watch this traditional thing. Falcon and the winter soldier. It has a plot that doesn't make sense. It has action sequences. It has characters, you know, and it's cool that we're at that point. I, I, I don't think we would have made it to this point if we didn't have success in the beginning with the more cookie cutter things. Yeah, I think they're headed in the right direction. I think you're right. With Wakanda Victorious. Okay, now back to the goosebumps. <laughs> back to the goose back to action. Uh with Wakanda I Victorious. I thought it was Michigan Chillers. Thanks to Njaka's heroism, T'Chaka selects his nephew as the new Black Panther. After consuming the heart-shaped herb, Killmonger has a spirit vision of his cousin T'Challa, who asks if this was all worth it. Killmonger says he did what he had to to get power, but T'Challa warns that power unearned is a volatile force that will eventually get the best of him. Back in the U.S., General Ross briefs Potts on the massive amount of Stark weapons that will be used to level Wakanda the next day, which the audience knows will start a much bigger war to do Wakanda's hidden tech. Potts goes to her office and is met by Shuri, who shows... Okay, just back up a second. We as the audience know that none of Stark's weapons are going to do anything because Wakanda has the most advanced technology on the planet, and it'll be like trying to use a fly swatter against a machine gun, right? So then why do they care about right. the goddamn robots coming up to the goddamn force field? Right! I should have written that. I'm sorry. I should have written that in the notes. My bad. Because <laughs> you're right. <laughs> They're like, oh, we know. The audience knows there's no way that's going to work because it's Wakanda. And Wakanda wouldn't because they have all this technology. And they're like, oh, but these robots, they're really uh, strong. <laughs> Damn it. I will say if we had gotten any sort of like you could have literally just put a throwaway line of the force field protects about against everything except for vibranium because it's made of vibranium or something like that. It's sure, give us that line. That would have totally totally worked. Didn't even bother with that. Yeah, I think they just 
didn't really think about it. I think they need. I think they made a roadmap and then filled in the scenes with what they needed to happen to achieve that roadmap. Yeah, and I think yeah, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And this time it just right. didn't work for me. And I will again say this is making me feel like more critical than I mean to be about this episode. Right. But yeah, because correct. at the end, correct. at the end of the day, I liked the episode. I really liked right. seeing Killmonger again. I really liked right. a lot of the the, the characters yeah. and stuff. But yeah, this is the sort of thing where I do think I am willing to give you a little bit of wiggle room right. on. Yes, you wanted to get to this point, and you just did some stuff to make it happen. This is the kind of thing where I'm okay with you doing that. It's just that's clear what clearly what you did this time. Right. Potts goes to her office and is met by Shuri, who shows Potts that she found Jarvis's backup recording of Killmonger's murders. Shuri says she and Potts have a common enemy and wants her to help, wants her help to open the eyes of the U.S. and Wakanda to what's actually happening. The Watcher closes by telling us all, "Heroes are never really gone; they live on forever, as do the ones they inspire to carry on the fight." Which just made me think of Chadwick Boseman again and made me sad all over again. Yeah, the most effective yes. thing this show is doing is constantly reminding us that we lost one of the best actors of our time. Yeah. And, like, it's a great surprise every time I hear him voicing Black Panther in these episodes. And then I get sad at the end of every single yeah. one of his episodes. Yeah. And, I mean, these episodes have been kind of dark, right? The endings have been dark. The last few episodes have been dark. Peach, uh, some some pretty dark stuff happening. Yeah, I you know, I I was gonna tie this in with what Robbie is saying too because I think Robbie is is agreeing with the show being dark. I don't know. Part of this, you know that uh, that Family Guy clip. Wow, I'm gonna show my whiteness for a second. You know that Family Guy clip where they're asking Peter about the Godfather and he confesses that he didn't like it. And they all like, you know, come at him like, why didn't you like the Godfather? And he has that line where he says it insists upon itself. Yes. <laughs> it insists upon itself. What does that even mean? That is what I am starting. And, and I really truly hope that our surveillance stork that we came up with a few weeks ago of that might be a Nork of these stories coming together to form one unified story. I hope that ends up being true. Because if not, this show is starting to feel like every episode is so grim that the MCU is almost saying like, hey, if we didn't do everything exactly the way we did it, look at what could have happened compared to what we gave you. Isn't what we gave you much better? Aren't you happy with what we did for you? It feels like we're being gaslit. <laughs> is that wild? <laughs> like, is that a form of gaslighting to be like, hey, remember all the great stuff I did for you? You should just appreciate me because of my great things that I did. It's almost like that's what they're doing here is, look, everything that would happen if we tweaked this story is terrible. <laughs> it's terrible for everyone involved. So love me. Just love me. I don't know. Is that wild? It doesn't feel that wild to me. No, I think you're correct. And I hadn't even thought about it until you said it. But that is what, what it feels like. Even... And I'm not sure they mean it, but that feels like what it's happening. It's like what you watched is the best form of events. And we're going to prove that to you with all these not best events. And I don't think they're going for that on purpose necessarily. But yes, it does kind of feel like that's what's happening. Well, and everything that I, everything that I just, sorry, Danny, I'm going to steal your thunder. Everything that I just peaches lamented about, 
was uh, it, it could be fixed if it turns out that this show does end up getting connected and the watchers like nah 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 too many bad things are happening in this these series of universes we're going to clean this mess up because everyone's miserable right and and it is really dark uh when we had so the avengers the all the avengers die episode was pretty dark but i think it really started with the doctor strange episode which was done beautifully and when the doctor strange episode happened i was thinking you know, they went there, they had tragedy, they had, a, a, you know, a, an unhappy ending, and it was very, it felt bold when it happened, but now it just feels like that's what this is. It's just dark and unhappy. And again, here I go criticizing an episode I liked in a series that I've enjoyed, but I would like some happiness sometimes. I would like some not darkness. I would like some some and i think episode two the star lord episode kind of did this even though it did have oh shoot well now ego's just gonna destroy the universe but that was almost more of a funny ending to me um that episode really did feel more like a like a version where everything was was better than it could have been and so they have done that they just haven't done it that much and i just need some happiness sometimes um that's why i don't watch uh, haunting on hill house like you guys but yeah i and can I, tell based on the way you just butchered the title saying says the guy who has butchered the title of this podcast three times uh so yeah i agree with that i I, that said on rewatch of this episode i felt like this episode was a little less dark than i did on first watch and and definitely less dark than some of the other episodes kind of because that ending we talked about this already so i don't need to get into it more but the ending where i feel like it's being spelled out it, it it's being spelled out to us in the audience that all right, Killmonger's plan isn't going to work because of Shuri and Pepper. And I think she has a Shuri has a really good way to just avert this crisis before it happens. Yes, she's not going to convince Thunderbolt Ross. I'm certain of it. But that's beside the point. There are other people pulling strings than Thunderbolt Ross, um, as we see sometimes in the MCU and in, in Marvel stories. So, Did you know if you combine a Shuri and Pepper with uh, Bokoblin guts, you get a chilling elixir? Ooh. Awesome. I wish we had the sound effect. Someone could play the sound effect of the cooking right now. I'll think about that. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I, I got think... it. I got the sound effect. All right, go ahead. <laughs> I meant the cooking sound effect, but I did like that. Oh, okay. Um, that was still... Per- That's the cooking that sound one. effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, yeah it's yes. hot dogs, yeah. And I think the watcher the is supposed... chilling elixir is hot dogs. <laughs> I think the watcher's closing line in this episode is also supposed to be making us think in terms of... Yes, Tony Stark and T'Challa died, but their legacy is going to live on in the way they inspired Pepper and the way they inspired Shuri, even though after our previous conversation, I don't think Tony Stark inspired Pepper Potts, but that's, I can only go down so many hypercritical roles in this. I think we're supposed to think that heroism is still going to happen. This is, you know, this is not a dark ending where uh, where Killmonger is going to rule the world. This is... Killmonger is going to get stopped, but it's going to be by Shuri and Pepper Potts instead of Tony Stark and T'Challa. So on rewatch, this episode, I think, ended less dark than I originally felt. But in general, I still agree with everything you said of it does feel like this has gotten... It's insisting upon its own it's not- edginess, maybe a little too much. Do I have to put Family face. Guy in the post credit scene now? I mean, if you haven't heard that Please do clip, not. you have to hear that clip. I guess yeah. spoiler alert for the post credit scene. It's not 
It's on TikTok a lot, I know. Yes, yes it is. So do we think this is going somewhere? We think they're, I mean, I, you haven't seen it, but there is a particular scene that leads me to believe that we will absolutely be getting these characters meeting up. I, I want to believe that our original theory of all of these coming together is true, yeah. But because of all of, not all of, but because of a lot of these stories ending in some sort of tragedy or a follow-up tragedy about to occur because of the events, like, I want to feel like that is the theme that we are secretly now being exposed to. And I think that, in general is what is going to be the effect on the overall story is how do we come together to make all of these terrible things that happened in these six individual universes? How do we come together to make them not as terrible outcomes? Right. Um, And it might not be that they get fixed exactly the way they were in our MCU timeline. It might be that they get fixed just enough to be different from our original timeline, but whatever terrible result happened isn't quite so terrible, or maybe it's good instead of bad. That was very vague. That was like the most vague book thing. Yeah, I I think you're right. Um, also, one of the things things we talk about in theories a lot is what would happen in this timeline, and that's something I keep thinking about is if there's no Tony Stark at all, do we get any Avengers? Do we stop Loki? Do we... And then, you know, I don't know. It feels like this is potentially a boring ripple effect, uh, a sort of a smaller story, which is fine. That's not, again, that, that's 100% not a criticism. But I don't think there's necessarily that many cool ripple effects that come out of this episode. Yeah, I find every episode, I just want them to go further. Like, like they're right before I think they're going to get interesting, and then the episode ends. Yeah. Except maybe the Doctor Strange one because literally the entire universe is gone. But like <laughs> right. the Captain Carter one, I kept wanting to see Captain Carter as Captain Carter. Like I kept like right. I wanted that episode to almost begin at the end of its episode. Like I wanted to see Which is her. what I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to see her in today's like I wanted to see a new Avengers scene. Like that's what and that's the when you guys did the Hank Pym one, when all the Avengers died, I kept being like, oh, would be really cool would be to see the kind of heroes that would rise up if the Avengers that we knew were dead. That's what I thought they yeah. were doing with that episode. And then instead it was more of like a, how did they all die? And now that you say that about Captain Carter, I think, I think in hindsight, not thinking it at the time of the episode, because I didn't know what the structure of this series was going to be. I think I would have been more interested in everything we saw in that episode being a quick montage to explain how we got Captain Carter. And then we get Captain Carter in what basically the episode set up yeah i agree sad well mvps robbie we're gonna start with you who's your mvp for this episode even though it feels like a dumb question it's killmonger oh wow how original peach (laughs) i wrote verbatim for the listeners this is a silly prompt yes it is killmonger great voice acting looked just like michael b jordan felt very much like the character from the mcu Yes, I didn't like that he kept getting away with sinister uh, scheming, but... That's bad writing, not a bad character. Yeah, he's the episode. Yes, agreed. Also, yeah, the voice acting, he was at... Michael B. Jordan was great at the voice acting. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, and he's he's just so good at it. Like, he's just so synonymous with that character now. Like, I don't picture... I can't picture anyone else doing it. Um, It's also Killmonger for me. Yeah, it's just... He's the best part of this episode. 
Episode ratings. Peach, we'll start with you. What are you going to rate this episode of What If? Yeah, I have to explain this one to you guys so that you understand my pun. Um, Because of the events that happened in this episode where Obadiah Stane was stopped before the plot continued, he never became Ironmonger. So Killmonger effectively killed Ironmonger. So I gave this episode seven killed mongers out of ten. I understand. Okay. Robbie. I'm giving it 7.5 vibranium Gundams out of 10. Eduardo. I gave it 7.5 anime references out of 10. Uh, I thought the episode was fine. And I like, yeah, I think they're all just okay. I'm hoping for that one that blows me away. So we'll go with our rankings. I'll give my ranking since I've been, I've been gone. I think number one for me is going to be T'Challa Star-Lord. Uh, followed by Doctor Strange, Zombies, Killmonger, Dead Avengers, and sadly last is Captain Carter. Robbie, what about you? I struggled with this a lot because the four best episodes to me, it's really hard for me to suss out which one I want to put at the top. Like the Doctor Strange one, I think is maybe the one that's the best produced, just not my personal favorite. The Zombies one, I think, is the one that is the most within my wheelhouse of what I like to see and what I care about. So Ordering the top four is really hard, but I ended up going with T'Challa Star-Lord at the top, followed by Zombies, uh, then Doctor Strange, then the Killmonger episode, uh, then Captain Carter, and then Hank Pym Kills the Avengers is at the bottom. Peach? Yeah, I put this one near the middle. Um, it's I, I'd say it's in the lower half, though, I guess because there's six, so it's in the lower half. So right now for me, it's um, Doctor Strange and then Zombies, then Star-Lord, this episode, followed by Captain Carter and... Uh, detective fury it's interesting we agree on the uh the bottom two yeah i just i think what eduardo said rings the most true about those two and when i look at my order the bottom half are the three that to me felt the most like i'm just watching that story that i've already seen again like the captain carter one was a great episode it was cool to see what she would have done in in that role but it's just I'm just watching the first Avenger again and nothing is too different. And same thing with, yeah, the Avengers aren't dying in our mainline MCU, but we're going through the plot of a few movies that we've seen before and then watching those characters die instead in Detective Fury. So I don't know. I think the the bottom half of my list are ones that felt more like things I've already seen and the top half are things that were fresh and new and fun. Well, I think that's going to be it for this episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can do so over at patreon.com slash assemblyrequired. Join our patron-only Discord. Huge shout-out to our Avengers-level patrons, Brian and Riley. If you want to email the show, assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at assemblycast. Follow all of us individually. D underscore peaches for peaches. Gator Sacks 2010 for Chris, who is having a wonderful time over at Epcot. We'll see him back here soon. Uh, it's Phil Kid 3 for Robbie and ABCD Eduardo 1 for myself. It's going to do it for myself, for Robbie, for Chris, and for Peaches. We love you 3000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. Excelsior. Okay. Hail Hydra. <laughs> Thank you.
But since we're all gonna die, there's one more secret I feel I have to share with you. I did not care for the Godfather. What? Did not care for the Godfather. Uh, how can you even say that, Dad? Didn't like, didn't like it. Peter, it's so good. Uh, it's like the perfect movie. I, this is what everyone always says. Whenever they say, oh, Robert my... De Niro, Al Pacino. I, I mean, you listen. never see... Robert Duvall! I, no, I, no, fine, fine actor. Did not like the movie. Why not? Did not, couldn't get into it. Uh, explain yourself. What didn't it, you like about it? It insists upon itself, Lois. What? It insists upon itself. What does that even mean? Because it has a valid point to make. It's insistent. It takes forever getting in. You, know, you, spend, you, you spend like six and a half hours, and then... You know, I can't even get through. I can't even finish the movie. I've never even seen the You've ending. You've never seen the ending? Well, well, how can you say you don't like it if you haven't even given it a chance? I but... agree with Joey. It's not really fair. That, I have tried on three separate occasions to get through it, and I, I get to the scene where all the guys are sitting around on the easy chairs. Yes, yeah, a great all... scene. I That's love that it's scene. It's great... in every annal. I have no idea what they're talking about. It's like they're speaking a different language. That's where I lose interest and you I go away. They're speaking the, uh, Italian. The language they're speaking is a language of subtlety, something you don't understand. I love the money pit. That is my answer to that statement. Exactly. Well, there you go. Whatever. I like that movie, too.